Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Week 14 was a wild ride. You could have been eliminated in fantasy football, but that's okay because Underdog has the Battle Royale. It's a one-week fantasy league every week. Draft six players, best ball format. Let's go do it. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code UNDERWORLD. For an instant deposit match up to $100. Top 10 takeaways time, baby. <laughs> Good week. Fun week. This was a great week. This was one of the better weeks in the NFL. Just so much uncertainty with starting lineups. It's like, oh, is it going to be Rex Burkhead or David Johnson? Oh, David Johnson's back. Oh, last minute, 11 a.m. Oh, David Johnson's going on the COVID list. David. So we talk about projection fragility, and this is why you need Tony Pollard and Madison and A.J. Dillon, because anything can happen. Right in Dynasty, you want those guys because anything can happen in any given season. And you have the you have AJ Dillon for the next three years. You know you're going to have weeks without Aaron Jones, and it's going to be RB one potential that week. We mistakenly suppressed Mike Evans in our uh, pre-draft rankings too much because anything can happen. And oh, no Antonio Brown for various reasons, health reasons, behavioral reasons, and we saw in. Week 14, just the ultimate weekly projection fragility in that you don't even know who's playing. You don't even know who the starting running back is in Detroit. You have no idea until the game starts to play out. You have no idea. Who is this Reynolds guy? I'm looking, I'm like, who's Reynolds? Some of these deep leagues, I was starting Jamar Jefferson, and then you look up, oh, he didn't play. Oh, well, that's the, see, if you're tanking, This is the other danger when we have not only all the injuries that build up on players' bodies over the season, and you have COVID, right? So you have a COVID close contacts, COVID diagnoses, plus you have a tanking franchise. So of all the teams, the least, it's it's no surprise, right? The two of the franchises I just talked about that were near impossible to project, Houston and Detroit. Because not only do they have all these broken bodies, not only do we have the COVID protocols, we have tanking franchises that just don't care. They could do whatever they want. So if Jamar Jefferson misses some practice time with an illness, you don't have to play him. You could just say, hey, you know, we were practicing with this guy Reynolds and, you know, we'd just as soon lose the game anyway. So we're just going to go ahead and play Reynolds. Yeah, sure, Jamar Jefferson's active. He could play, but we don't need to win this thing, right? We can send a message if uh, Igwebuke, did I get that right? Ooh, maybe I get that. Chat, did I get that right? I think I got that right the first try. Ooh, 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 on fire this morning. Sat in front of this microphone, fired up. 
C. Reynolds. Who is C. Reynolds? I have to go to player profile. Craig Reynolds? Craig Reynolds, and then the debate was J.J. Zacharyson just threw it out there on Twitter. Oh, maybe he's the best Craig in NFL history at running back. And then someone says, well, what about Roger Craig? That was my first thing. I was like, oh, no, sorry, buddy, Roger Craig. He's like, well, it's his first name. It has to be Craig. I was like, okay. So it's first and foremost, Roger Craig has the name Craig in his name. So I think it's definitely Roger Craig. But if it's not Roger Craig, then you forget about Craig Ironhead Hayward. Now, J.J. claims that Craig Ironhead Hayward is classified as a fullback. That's not a halfback. Fullbacks and halfbacks are running backs. So there, I, I, think, I think Twitter got him. Twitter got him on a couple levels. They got him with the last name, Roger Craig's last name, because he didn't specify last name versus first name. And then they, they got him on Craig Ironhead Hayward, because you think of Ironhead, you don't think of Craig. But then, even if he is a fullback, that's still a running back. So on, on a bunch of levels, you know, J.J. just threw it out there. I do this all the time. Like, oh, this guy, this is the best player with X traits in the last decade. Oh, this is the best player I've ever seen. Oh, or, or this is the greatest example of X in my history in this business. It's so many rhetorical tricks that you can use, and I uh, use them all. There's nothing I like better than a good rhetorical trick. My favorite rhetorical trick of this year happens to coincide with our, our best-performing Instagram post was a quote from the podcast where I said that Ashton Doolin is teed up to be the Adam Thielen of 2023, right? That's my favorite rhetorical trick because that's, that's an unfalsifiable prediction about an event two years from now that no one would ever think to cold take police two years into the future. In 2023, if it doesn't happen, there's not a single person, and I challenge anyone, we want to put it in your calendars, you want to go to your phone, go to your, your calendar app, put it in there to remind yourself that in two years, because you, you need to go <laughs> December 2023, check Ashton Doolin's stats and see if he's breaking out in December the way Adam Thielen did. Just check. Just check. Right? You got to check and hold me accountable. Right? It's near impossible to hold someone accountable with you know a dynasty take two years into the future. So you all need to bookmark this, pin this in your calendars so you can hold me accountable and let me have it. Flame me. Flame me on social media if Ashton Doolin is not starting to break out in December of 2023 similar to Adam Thielen. Right? So that 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 is that is a that is a near bulletproof hot take. That's the that's the beauty of rhetorical devices that you can some craft a bulletproof hot take and then it just so happens to be our best performing. I mean, that's kind of pathetic that that's our best performing Instagram. It is what it is, right? It is what it is that, that people love these takes. They love fringe players. They love the story of Adam Thielen undrafted, breaking out, winning fantasy titles for people. It's an exciting story and that, that, I, that I would tap into that. This just shows why I'm so good at this. Really. So if we look back at uh, week 14, we had some close games. We had two games going into overtime at 730 at night. Right. So my daughter and I, we finished dinner and I'm like, you know, we haven't really watched much football today. Let's go see what the Red Zone channel has for us. 
And then, boom, we have two games about to go into overtime. And she's, like, on the edge of her seat. She's like, oh, this is this is great. And then she looks at the standing. She's like, we need we need San Francisco to, to, to lose because if the Bengals win, then that hurts the Steelers because <laughs> I've got her all in against the Steelers. That's my, my wife's favorite team. And so she and I are ganging up on her, rooting against the Steelers. And then the 49ers won anyway. Bengals lost. And we looked up, and it didn't matter. The Steelers were still in last, right? Baltimore loses. Cincinnati loses. Pittsburgh still in last. So that was beautiful. And then, see, she still holds a grudge against Tom Brady. Like, she is a raging Patriots fan, much much more uh, passionate Patriots fan than I am. Loves Mac Jones, hates Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady still, right? I still have I still have so many memories from Tom Brady delivering championships. I mean, he he gave me so many warm and fuzzies that I'm not going to just walk away and, and cheer against the box. No, I I like Gronk. I like Brady. I, I like a lot of I, Chris Godwin. She goes, is Chris Godwin good, Dad? I go, his last name is God plus Win. You think he's good, Leonard Fournette? I mean, of course I'm rooting for a Patriots Buccaneers Super Bowl. And I said, I said, listen, you got to let it go. You got to let this grudge go. Brady's great. He he exemplifies excellence at the position, leadership in team sports. You, you got to let it go. You, you got to find a way to to let Brady into your heart. And she said, that's not how it works, Dad. <laughs> that's not how real fandom works, Podfather. I get it. You have a podcast. And you know you you love everybody sometimes, and then you hate guys when it's it's convenient, right? Or or if it helps your podcast, but you don't really have real allegiances anymore. You know the the whole fantasy game has knocked it out of you. I'm actually a real, genuine, passionate fan, Dad. And no, I'm not just gonna find it in my heart to like Tom Brady all of a sudden. And then, and then I got her. I got her. But then I go, well, you know, if Tampa wins and Buffalo loses, that helps the Patriots secure home field advantage. And she said, oh, well, let's go, Tom. Let's go, Brady. Let's do this, Buccaneers. That's all I had to say. Yeah, I did. Does it anything to help the Patriots? And she is she's in. She's like, OK, I'll I'll forgive Tom as long as it helps Mac. Right, try to order her a Mac Jones jersey. Good luck doing that. Good luck to anyone trying to get their favorite jersey delivered by Christmas. That's not happening. We we had to order. I had to order a T-shirt because the only jerseys I could get was like a Teddy Bruschi throwback, Cam Newton, Julian Edelman. Like the only Patriots I could get were defensive players, and. Players that have retired or have moved on to other teams were cut, released. I'm like, Cam Newton, gross. I don't know what a Cam Newton Patriots jersey. She doesn't even know who Julian Edelman is. She just started rooting for the team this year. We could at least find a Jacoby Myers jersey. No. Hunter Henry. No. Nobody. Tried to a custom jersey with a custom nameplate. Over $300. I mean, logistics. That's just... Christmas, you know? So, yeah, she gets a T-shirt. I did get... What I ended up going with was the custom T-shirt. So, her last name, her soccer jersey number, Patriots T-shirt. That's the that's the best I could do. That's the best I could do. And Nate Liss and I were lamenting 
Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was good again. Okay, so Kyle Pitts was good again. He's been efficient. He was five for six, but down the field. So he's not just catching balls around the line of scrimmage. His yards per target was greater than 10 for a tight end that's incredibly impressive. And this has been Kyle Pitts all year. He's been operating down the field. He's been operating at X. And he's been efficient. He was the target leader. He was good. They won the game. It was a blowout. There, there's there, there's nothing wrong with what happened. Well, it wasn't a blowout, right? It was 17-10, right? So 17-10 at the half or 17-7, whatever. Okay, it wasn't a blowout. But they were clearly leading at times at halftime by double digits. So this was a game where you're going to see Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson run the ball 25-plus times. That's exactly what they did. You add in Kadre Olison, they, they ran the ball 30-plus times. And Kadre Olison looked better than Mike Davis. I don't know why they're still running Mike Davis out there, but this is a deluded team. They think that they're still in contention because they are. They're 6-7. and seven. They're still in the hunt. So they're not just going to let Kadre Olison have the backfield like Detroit's just going to let Craig Reynolds... Right, Craig Reynolds, who, as it turns out, after that J.J. Zacharyson trial balloon was released, Craig Reynolds, the third best Craig running back in NFL history, although I don't even think you could say that because I believe there was an analyst at ESPN, his name is escaping me, but it was Craig something, and he was, an, he was a college football analyst for ESPN, and then his son was the one that was locked in the shed in Texas by Mike Leach. Like that's what, what how Mike Leach exited Texas Tech was Craig James son was locked in some utility shed and to uh, combat the symptoms of a concussion. And I don't think, you know, heating a player up to over 120 degrees is the right treatment for a concussion, Mike Leach. That's just one of those. I love Mike Leach, but that incident is a real stain on his reputation and his credibility as a uh, trusted leader of young men. I still can't get my head around what the hell happened there. So I think Craig Reynolds is the fourth best Craig running back. Roger Craig, then Craig Ironhead Hayward, then Craig James then Craig Reynolds. I think that's the order. If there's a another Craig that would knock Craig Reynolds down even out of fourth place, I'm open to it in the chat. I'm open to it. I'm monitoring the chat to see if anyone has a a, a Craig that's better than those that than than Craig Reynolds, but yet not as good as those other three, because the bar is very low for any Craig ever to be. Uh, Better than Craig Reynolds. But Craig Reynolds was the starting running back in the NFL for a full game. And good for him. Good for him. Nobody knew. Right? Nobody knew. This is the final weeks of a 17-game season with COVID protocols and some teams that are clearly tanking. So, good luck. Good luck. I like Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts may become a value this is no time to panic about Kyle Pitts. Granted, he's not scoring touchdowns. He's not scoring fantasy points. He's getting outscored by Pat Fryermuth again, and then this week by Brevin Jordan. So the joke I made in my head was, see, this was in my head. 
The joke I made in my head was Kyle Pitts should watch some Brevin Jordan tape, right? That's a top 10 takeaway, right? Maybe Kyle Pitts should watch some Brevin Jordan because I have a bunch of Brevin Jordan. I have a ton of Brevin Jordan. I don't have any Kyle Pitts. For all the reasons that Nate and I laid out, we dropped the podcast this weekend, Sonic Truth Show, streamed it on Friday. We explained why you would never draft a tight end in the first round of a dynasty rookie draft. We were advising super flex drafters to draft Mac Jones over Kyle Pitts and single quarterback drafters to draft Javante Williams over Kyle Pitts. And those were both sound decisions. You're welcome, everybody. And now, see, now that was the thing. At some point, Kyle Pitts will become a value. At some point, you'll be able to get Kyle Pitts for less than a top five pick in your rookie draft. You know that. You know that the way these tight end careers play out, there'll be a moment where Kyle Pitts becomes a value. And in the book, The Dynasty Dominator, I talk about efficiency being a better signal for dynasty than seasonal leagues. Opportunity projections are the key signal for seasonal leagues where efficiency as a window into a player's quality is the great signal for dynasty. And as long as Kyle Pitts is efficient and he's commanding targets down the field, I believe in him as one of the great talents at the position. He's just 21 years old. So in, in, in no way am I panicking. It's just that we may look up and he has an incredibly underwhelming season. Not what we expected. People drafting him fourth, fifth, sixth round of seasonal leagues, not paying off. Russell Gage has been more productive, even in the absence of Calvin Ridley. Does anyone know what happened to Calvin Ridley, and will he ever be back? I'll ask the chat. Does anyone know, anybody, what's what's happening? Will he be back? Should we start moving him down in the dynasty rankings? Is his career in jeopardy? The same is true for Will Fuller. Will Fuller, Calvin Ridley, are the what's going to happen? Does anyone have any idea whether they're going to play football ever again? That's a question. This wasn't like, oh, three weeks on the IR to work on your physical health, work on your mental health, all different, a whole range of health issues that could come up. That's why we had now have this three-week IR. But it's been way past that for Fuller and Calvin Ridley, and I'm starting to get a little, little nervous. At what point is Calvin Ridley going to come back if – ever. I feel bad for him. Something's going on with him. Every week that Will Fuller's away, every week that Calvin Ridley's away, it's a little bit harder to come back. It just makes it a little bit harder to get up, to come back, to get your body ready to come back. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's not going to come back. He's probably going to come back. Will Fuller's probably going to be back at some point. But every week they're away, it's a little, uh, it's a little, it's a little, oh. Cam Newton was benched, and P.J. Walker was even worse. Hubbard got you the touchdown, bailed you out. And you look at the receiving on the Carolina side of the ledger. Zilstra, five targets. Terrace Marshall, active yet no targets. What's going on with him? Does anyone know what's going on with him? He's on the Dante Moncrief, Jalen Strong, Josh Doxson trajectory Every single year, we have a day one or day two pick with serious hype based on size and athleticism virtues who just doesn't fire. 
And the one consistent thread is that these receivers often have great speed, they're tall, don't necessarily have great BMIs, don't necessarily have great agility, but they're tall and fast, they're lanky, and they aren't 90th percentile dominator rating players. They're more in that 50 to 60 percentile dominator. So they weren't mega producers. So with Doxon, with Strong, with Moncrief, they underperformed their athleticism in college. Now, the reason I was more excited about Terrace Marshall is because there was an explanation for this, right? Uh, the explanations were named Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And in the games that Terrace Marshall played in 2020, he was super dominant, right? So it was like much easier to rationalize the Terrace Marshall dominator rating falling below the 80th percentile where you'd like it to be than the Moncrief, than the Strong, than the Doxon. He also played in the SEC, unlike a Josh Doxon. So th there were reasons why, okay, this guy might play like Josh Doxon, but he's, he's not Josh Doxon. As it turns out, maybe he's just Josh Doxon. It's just so disappointing. And Robbie Anderson finally, finally goes over 20 fantasy points in week 14. What? Just a practical joke. Robbie Anderson, just a practical joker, this guy. He's hilarious. Robbie Anderson is hilarious. He is a funny, funny man. And you know, congrats to Baker Mayfield. He's playing hurt. He's grinding it out with no receivers. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones has that profile too, right? But you don't pay up for that profile. If you want size and great explosiveness but underwhelming production at the college level, then you can typically get these guys in day three. So you don't need to draft a, a Terrace Marshall or a Josh Doxson so early. Go for Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? It, it's what we talk about with running backs, right? There's no reason to invest in one of these size-speed specimen wide receivers that wasn't as productive as he could have been because those guys are available in day three running backs are available in day three right satellite back plus running backs with great athleticism and receiving skills are available in day three there's no reason to pay up right no reason to pay up for those types of wide receivers get a wide receiver that can separate that was dominant and has athleticism you can get a wide receiver that checks all the boxes in round two you don't need to settle you don't need to settle you can get an elijah moore in round two that's the move that's 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 the that's the move. T. Higgins, Elijah Moore in round two. That's where I want to get my wide receivers. Donovan Peoples Jones in date. What a great pick. What a great pick. No surprise. Cleveland Browns, seven and six. They have a winning record in one of the toughest divisions because their front office plays the probabilities. When they had a, a the 101, did they just take the best quarterback available? No. Right? They should have drafted Patrick Mahomes in that class. They didn't. Right, the first quarterback off the board was Mitchell Trubisky, so they they avoided that landmine and went with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett had one of the best plays I've seen all year, where he tips the ball up into the air, and then it's no, that was another guy, another guy, a guy I forgot. He tipped the ball in the air and and actually caught it and ran for a touchdown. So somebody did that. I can't remember his name. Another defender, Miles Garrett, actually did a strip sack 
where then he then followed up the strip sack and then scooped the ball up off the ground and scored. So he got credit for the sack and the touchdown. And I thought, okay, that's the best play of the week, right? So I thought it was the guy tipping it to himself and scoring a touchdown from the line of scrimmage. No, 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 no. It's actually Miles Garrett with the strip sack, gets the sack, then follows up, scoops it, brings it in for the touchdown. No, 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 it's not that. It was Brandon Ayuk. It was Brandon because he fooled the referee. This, this foot never went out. He just fooled the referee because the referee called him out because the referee couldn't imagine that a human being could be so agile, such a ballerina along the sideline that he would stay in bounds. Then he would go Superman and he would hold the ball out at the last second and cross the plane to win the game in overtime with a touchdown. That I mean, wow, this is why I'm so fired up about week 14. It was just so many fun plays and... Two of the top three plays were by edge rushers, defensive linemen, right? Amazing. Amazing. In the chat, if you can think of who the other guy was, the guy that tipped the, the pass to himself, I'd love to know who that was. I forgot his name. I feel bad. I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing that the football analysts always do, right? They, 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 they know the coaches' names first, then they know the quarterback, then the skill position players, then some key defenders, then the offensive lineman, and the last per, the last type of player that gets any credit that anyone knows the name of is like interior defensive lineman, right? And I'm I'm doing the same thing. I'm I'm doing the same thing. I know everybody, uh, and then uh, I don't. Randy Gregory, that's who it was. Randy Gregory, thank you, Jaw Web one two two three in the chat. Randy Gregory, and I should have known this because. I knew he was just activated. And I turned to my daughter and I said, he was just activated. So that's, that's, that's even all the more impressive that he just gets activated, hasn't played football in weeks. And then Randy Gregory gets activated and then boom. And that's why, that's why you take chances on guys like Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory was one of the great red flag behavioral issue prospects in the NFL draft the last five years, he was a stay away. He was one of those players where 80% of the NFL teams crossed him off the board just because the guy got in trouble a lot in college. And as soon as you get into the second round, you draft these guys. And this is why the Cowboys are, are number one in their division. One of the reasons why is they will draft anybody because talent, right? Because talent, because you got to give guys chances to turn their lives around. Randy Gregory turns his life around, gets healthy, and then he tips the ball up into the air, catches it, and then scores a touchdown. Guy's amazing, right? Guy's amazing. So congrats to him. Great plays this week. I'm just, I love players like Donovan Peoples-Jones that have that size and the athleticism to win down the field. And then the rationalization for him was, oh, he was playing with Harbaugh. It was a Harbaugh handicap, right? Terrace Marshall competing for targets with Chase, and Jefferson, and others, whereas Peoples-Jones had the Harbaugh handicap. And now what's funny is that we're hoping that Terrace Marshall can be Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think that's where we're headed. We're hoping, right? Man, in 2022, fingers crossed Terrace Marshall can be Donovan Peoples-Jones. I can't believe we're here. I can't believe. But I'm also ready for uh, the Nick Chubb playoff hero status because we're not going to see 
Kareem Hunt the rest of the season. He's going back in for an MRI. He hasn't looked himself. No good. But Nick Chubb's going to catch more passes out of the backfield. Snap share is going to go up. Opportunity share is going to go up. Dernest Johnson's had some big weeks. But Dernest Johnson is a plodding running back that just happened to be in a situation where there were wide running lanes afforded to him, and he ran through those wide running lanes, just like Jonas Gray with the Patriots. Any plodding running back who's getting all the carries can put up 150 yards in the right situation. So I'm not worried that Dernus Johnson's going to take significant carries away from Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is just a, a superior version of Dernus Johnson in every way. And then you saw it. Look, four targets. Do the math on four targets a game for Nick Chubb. 17 times four is 68 targets. So imagine Nick Chubb. Imagine how we would view Nick Chubb if he were a 68-target running back before the season. He'd have been a top-five pick. There would have been arguments to draft Chubb over Henry. That would have been easy, right? Uh, wait, I could get a guy just like Derrick Henry, but they catch his passes too? Uh, I'm going to go Nick Chubb. Thank you. So Nick Chubb is a smash the rest of the way due to the law of the conservation of touches and Austin Hooper due to the law of the conservation of targets. Now, it was just for this one week because Njoku's going to be back, but you never know, right? You think, oh, this is an Njoku week. Oh, Njoku's, Njoku's out for whatever reason. Injury, COVID, whatever, right? Harrison Bryant, injury, COVID, whatever. We talked about this. Billy Muzio and I talked about this. The moment we see Harrison Bryant go out, we're like, oh, baby. Oh, baby. Browns, tight ends, suddenly on the radar. Then when Njoku goes out, it's like, oh, my God. Austin Hooper's the smash of the smashes. We talked about it on the backstage pass. Patreon.com forward slash podfather. I do a special show every Saturday. This last Saturday, we, we talked about the plays of the week. We went through the DFS lineup genius, built a bunch of lineups that were fun. And then we also talked about fringe streamers. And I said, I'm not talking about fringe streamers at tight end this week. It's all about Austin Hooper. I don't want to hear any anything else. I just want to hear Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper. Because this is a, a tight end-centric offense that lost all its tight ends except Austin Hooper, who was a top five tight end in fantasy a couple of years ago and signed a mega contract. Signed a t- Go look at the Austin Hooper contract. You can't believe it. He's like, wait, 10 plus million dollars a year for Austin Hooper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's getting all the money. He has the the top five season on his resume. He's going to get all the tight end targets. What's not to like? Uh, He went for five for 30 and a touchdown. That's exactly, 13 fantasy points is exactly what you're hoping for. Exactly. Now, granted, Mark Andrews was 11 for 11. Mark Andrews went 11 for 11. That's amazing. And you have to give credit to Huntley. I mean, Huntley was 27 of 38. Tyler Huntley's good. Tyler Huntley is not necessarily a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. I wouldn't say that. This was one game where he played incredibly, but he also had 45 rushing yards. So this is the guy, right? Whatever you thought you might get from Taysom Hill, you're going to get a lot more from Huntley. Huntley is like Lamar Jackson, five yards. Tyler Huntley, 45 yards. You put them together, 50 yards rushing for the game. Maybe Lamar Jackson in this game gives you 65 rushing yards. So Huntley, if he's 60% the runner that Lamar Jackson is, aren't you happy about that? You should be really happy about that. If there's any props on the Huntley rushing next week, I'm going to be taking those. Why we have player profiler. 
So you can go and look up Huntley and go, oh, this guy is athletic. There's a reason why they, they went and got Mitchell Trubisky in Buffalo. Because he has a similar game to Josh Allen. It's just Josh Allen's superior in every way. Same thing is true with Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley is a mobile quarterback that lacks the arm talent. And that's Lamar Jackson, too. Just a lesser version across the board. If you pair a mobile quarterback with a stationary quarterback, what are you doing? Right? That's why Andy Dalton in Chicago never made any sense. Because you got to have a different game plan for one quarterback and another game plan for another. What are you doing? Why would you do that? Right? We argued when this was amazing. I remember this. We argued in the summer that Gardner Minshew should go to either Baltimore or Philadelphia. On and we are we. This was an argument we had. We was like, why? Why would you ever carry Gardner Minshew on your roster if you're Jacksonville? He's the guy that likes to scramble around and make plays. Why wouldn't you go and send him to a Philadelphia or a Baltimore? It turns out Baltimore didn't need him. Philadelphia did, and then Philadelphia did. Oh, went out and traded for Gardner Minshew. It's almost like we're good at this. Almost. Almost. We are. I'm just sad because I have Lamar Jackson in the Scott Fishbowl. Most points. Got the bye. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, Elijah Mitchell. Everything was served on a platter for next week. Miles Sanders getting healthy off the bye. A.J. Dillon, T.J. Hawkinson. Now I look up and T.J. Hawkinson's out. And now Lamar Jackson's probably out. And I'm at the, I have no money left. I spent it all on Elijah Mitchell. Will I get... Huntley, should I have added Huntley as insurance? I guess. I mean, I guess. But <laughs> what? Right? I mean, how was I supposed to know? Should I have dropped Traquan Smith for Huntley? Probably. But I mean, I think you could. Chat, can you forgive me for that? Can, am I, can I be forgiven for not adding Huntley as insurance heading into the Scott Fishbowl playoffs? Am I an idiot? I don't think I am. But this was classic. This was my my favorite thing about this Baltimore game was what we've been saying for for weeks, months, and why there's such a disparity between Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman in our dynasty rankings where Rashad Bateman's just posted up. Like, he's not producing. It doesn't matter. Like, he's not moving down. And Marquise Brown has this hard cap on his lifetime value rating. And that's because when you play it out and you have to run projections that are one, two, three years out, what are you finding to be the case? Oh, Rashad Bateman is emerging as the true alpha there. And how do we know this? The efficiency. It's the same thing we talked about with Kyle Pitts. Keep the faith in Kyle Pitts. Keep the faith in Rashad Bateman. Why efficiency? Same targets. Eight targets for Brown. Eight targets for Bateman. One guy puts up 103 yards. One guy puts up 41 yards. One guy is a five yards per target guy. The other guy is putting up 12 plus yards per target. And, and this has been consistent all year. The Bateman has just been giving you a lot more on a per target basis than Brown. And Brown's been a sell. We talked about it. We did a video on TikTok of why you need to trade Marquise Brown. He's, he's a sell in dynasties, a sell in all formats. A lot of sells out there. Ezekiel Elliott was equaled by Corey Clement. I don't know what to say about this. There, there was no Tony Pollard. I know that they're trying to be careful with Zeke, and they were up 
24 nothing. If you're up 24 nothing, are you going to run Zeke into the ground? No, but he gave you under four yards of carry again. Mm. I don't know. It's like, oh, Washington has a, a, a stout front seven. Yeah, Chase Young's been out for weeks. I don't know about that. I don't know if that's true. I'm worried about Zeke. I, if you're the Cowboys, you should be worried about Zeke and just got to hope that Pollard can can fully tear this plantar fascia and get back out there, numb it up, get back out there. Michael Gallup out-targeting Amari Cooper again. Amari Cooper was the number three option again. Does he have long-haul COVID? I don't know. But no skill position player has been as affected by COVID as Amari Cooper. It's been weeks that he's been underwhelming and inefficient and I'm hoping that they said he's getting better. They said that his his strength and conditioning is better. We'll see. We'll see. It hasn't shown up yet in the box score. It has not shown up yet. We'll see. We'll see. Sad about Terry McLaurin with the dud. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And don't worry about Antonio Gibson. You just got game scripted off. Like, again, it's 18 nothing. You're not going to be handing the ball much to Antonio Gibson. This was the danger. The hope was he was going to get a bunch of targets with no J.D. McKissick, and he only had two targets. Not great. But Jonathan Taylor has these games in him. It's just that Jonathan Taylor's on a better team, so it's less likely Jonathan Taylor gets game scripted into oblivion. This is going to happen once or twice in a season to Jonathan Taylor. Unfortunately, on Washington, it's going to happen more like five to six times a season to Antonio Gibson. But there's, there's no takeaways from what happened with Washington, except beautiful catch by Cam Sims. Gorgeous. How did he do that? He caught it. And another guy's arm was in there. Like, we, he caught the ball. He went up and he, he, he caught the ball. And another guy's arm was in. And he, he cradled it. And he's catching the ball with another dude's arm in there on the ground. He should have got an extra point for that. If you catch a ball and an arm, there should be an extra point for that. Where has Cam Sims been all year? I don't know. I don't know why, 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 why do these teams keep rolling out these washed slot receivers like Adam Humphreys and Danny Amendola when it's clear that Cam Sims is better? Yet Humphreys nearly doubled the targets of Cam Sims. See, this is the thing. Get him out of there. Don't even let your quarterbacks have the option of throwing to a Humphreys or an Amendola. Don't ever sign them. That's the solution. And then... The, the targets have to funnel to De'Ami Brown. They have to funnel to DeAndre Carter, who actually have bursts and explosiveness and score touchdowns in contested situations. That's the takeaway. Don't sign those fuckers. They're so useless. They're so useless. Useless. And on the, the Plays of the Week show, we talked about the, the hierarchy, the hierarchy of streaming running backs. And it starts with, are you the primary back in your offense? Undisputed. Okay? that You want that guy, right? But better than that are primary backs with speed and burst. Undisputed primary backs with speed and burst. Now, Rashad Penny was disputed. Right? It wasn't, was it going to be Alex Collins? You don't know. You don't know how much Alex Collins is going to play. We don't know how much Jamar Jefferson is going to play. We don't know how much Ty Johnson is going to play. We don't know. We don't know. We did know. We did know that Dante Foreman was going to be the primary back. We did know that. McNichols saw eight carries, too. So Foreman could have had more production. He should have had closer to 60 yards if they hadn't given all those carries to McNichols. 
but it was 20 nothing, and it was Jacksonville. So you knew against Jacksonville that Foreman was a great play this week because he was definitely getting all the touches. And he, then he didn't, though. See, that was the thing. He didn't. But you still played him because he's the primary back with a great speed score going up against a demoralized defense. That was the same case. The case for Foreman was the same as the case for Rashad Penny. That you have a great size-adjusted athlete in that primary back role. And it wasn't going to be Alex Collins. It was going to be Rashad Penny. He emerged the previous week. Alex Collins was still banged up. It was going to be Penny. You had to play Penny for the upside. He has the burst. And Alex Collins does not. You don't play these plotters. This is why we have player profiler. So you can go like, well, I'm not sure who it's going to be. Is it going to be Penny? Is it going to be Collins? Okay. Well, we have this site called playerprofiler.com. And you can see, oh, one guy is like a 99th percentile speed score. One guy's a total slug in Alex Collins. You just play Penny just on principle. And he goes and smashes and has over 25 fantasy points. And he won people their matchup this week. He's the reason why some people are in the playoffs. He was a DFS hero too. And going up against a demoralized Texans defense on a team that's tanking is the perfect situation to play a Rashad Penny. It's the perfect situation to play a Dante Foreman. So the, the process was the same. Penny more than doubles Dante Foreman's output, but the process was the same. And if you happen to have both of these guys and you played Foreman over Penny, you shouldn't feel bad. Like, it was the right move. And still, having both of those guys on your radar and prioritizing those players as streamers this week was also the right move. And then the other scenario of a team playing a demoralized tanking franchise was Denver, and their running back scored three touchdowns. Woo, baby! So in the deepest of leagues, if you went out and you decided to stream McNichols against Jacksonville, that... That was defensible, right? If there's very few options on the waiver wire and you had to stream a guy in like your RB3 spot or RB4 spots, your third flex, something like that, then McNichols was a fine process play. He did get eight carries. He is active in the passing game most weeks that he's active. And he did play over Hilliard. Chenault operated again as the number three receiver. It was Marvin Jones and Treadwell and then Chenault. Every week I look up. It's just like Goodwill Hunting. Every week, the best part of my day is when I walk up to your house and hope you're not there. Every week I look up in this box score, hoping that this is the week that Chenault breaks out, that Chenault finally decides to seize this passing game by the balls and have like 12 targets, 8 for 12, For 110 yards and two touchdowns. Just seize this league by the balls. That's what you're hoping for. For Chenault. And every week, he does this. He does this. He he puts up the stone worst yards per target. Every fucking week. And James Robinson. Woof. Right? Less than 10 rushing yards for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Robinson, sub 1.0 yards per carry. James Robinson's also going to be a... A value in Dynasty. James Robinson is still that guy from last year. He's still that running back with great size, great burst, and receiving skills. He's We're going to hear from him again. If you have him, you have to hold. And it's at the point where now you can think about trying to acquire him. Because anyone with ETN, I have a lot of ETN. Spoiler alert, I have a lot of ETN, no, no, no Robinson. 
I mean, this obvious, this is what I want to see, right? If you have ETN, you're happy. If The only Jaguar that is happy about this outcome is Travis ETN. If you have Lawrence in Dynasty or Chenault or Robinson, this outcome 20 nothing is devastating. It's terrible, right? I have a bunch of Chenault. This sucks, man. But I'm so heartened by the idea that Travis Etienne will walk into the starting job, the primary back role next year, and no one will be even asking whoever the head coach is about James Robinson. Like James Robinson's going to head into next year as the straight up backup running back, the number two, the locked in number two, and it's going to be all about Travis Etienne next year. And that's when you can get James Robinson. That's when James Robinson becomes a buy. Just like Pollard and Dylan and Madison have been buys all year in Dynasty. I've been trying to get them. I, I got some Pollard, I got some Madison, and I got some Dylan in trade in the last five or six months. I'm going to start that process in Dynasty to acquire some James Robinson seeing this. So th that's my first instinct. My first instinct when I see this debacle in Jacksonville is, uh-oh, Chenault is definitely not happening and I was sure he wasn't happening last week. Now I'm really sure. Now I'm sure, sure. And then next week, I'm going to be sure, 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 sure. And then the week after that, I'm probably going to be sure, 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 sure. And then the week after that, I'll be sure, 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 that Chenault's not happening. So that makes me sad. And then I look at the James Robinson, and then I get glad. So I get sad and then glad. Sad, glad. Right? So the Robinson's perfect on two different wavelengths. That number one... Robinson himself will become a value in the next couple months. And number two, ETN is a clear smash. And his dynasty value elevates. His perception elevates. The certainty around his role next year coalesces. So then his dynasty value, his lifetime value rating necessarily rises. It's all good news for those of us with ETN and those of us that aspire to get some James Robinson. And especially if you have ETN, you're going to want to handcuff him with Robinson at value and you'll be able to do that. In the Dynasty Dominator book, Dynasty Dominator Reloaded, available on Amazon, we talk about handcuffing in Dynasty is a good idea. Handcuffing in seasonal leagues is a bad idea in your draft. Eventually, as the season plays out, and all these running backs and wide receivers that were on the waiver wire or drafted late in drafts break out, then once you know you're going to be a playoff team, you can go ahead and insure some of your assets. Like I should have insured Lamar Jackson with Tyler Huntley in a super flex league. Like, fuck that. See, there's no reason to go get Jordan Love. It doesn't matter. Jordan Love gets elevated. He doesn't help your fantasy league. You're not going to start him. Lamar Jackson goes down and you know he has a mobile backup. Yeah, it's like it's the same principle with Gardner Minshew. If you have Jalen Hurts, and you're headed into the playoffs and Superflex or 2QB, you need to go get Gardner Minshew as insurance. You have to do that. Now is the time to do that in all league formats. It's just that when you're drafting in seasonal leagues and in the first couple weeks, you don't want to be handcuffing. There's too much opportunity cost chasing the next breakout player, and you don't want to be betting against yourself early on. Now is the time to take out those insurance policies. I can't believe we had that much to talk about with that. Did you think that? Did you think that we could talk that long about Titans-Jaguars? I didn't. Get right game for Patrick Mahomes. 48-9, baby. Yet, he didn't have to do anything. This is, this is why you don't necessarily love blowouts. 
Like in, in DFS, you're like, oh, wow, implied points, yay. You'd rather have a shootout. If it's a shootout, then you know that Patrick Mahomes is going to have to be throwing. But if you don't think that Derek Carr can sustain a shootout at Arrowhead, Patrick Mahomes is not a strong play in DFS, especially at an elevated salary. It's not worth it. He was super efficient, 20 for 24, and yet they didn't need him. Tyreek Hill, 4 for 4, yay! 76 yards, no touchdowns. Ah, oh, where is Tyreek Hill? Like, where is he? Where is Tyreek Hill in fantasy scoring this year? He's only being outscored by Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and Debo Samuel, and Cooper Cup. So he's the wide receiver 5. Tyreek Hill is the wide receiver 5. But only Cooper Cup, only Cooper Cup is giving you leverage at the position. Only Cooper Cup is outscoring other wide receivers by a significant margin. Now, Justin Jefferson will the rest of the way. Justin Jefferson's going to outscore Cooper Cup the rest of the way because there's no target competition in Minnesota, and there's more target competition now in Los Angeles. So I like Cooper Cup to still finish top five, but Adams and Jefferson are going to outscore Cooper Cup the rest of the way just based on target competition and assuming, assuming that Aaron Rodgers' toe doesn't fall off. I know that he's, he's had a setback and it's, it's more painful than it was, but he's gutting it out, man. I just respect Aaron Rodgers more this year than I ever have. It's wild. It's wild that he's, he's showing toughness. He's settled into himself. Something has flipped with him where he's just decided that he's not going to be playing football for other people. He's just going to be playing for himself. And he's not going to care what people think about him. He fi he's finally comfortable in his own skin at age 38. There's something impressive about just being comfortable in your own skin. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, two touchdowns. The Podfather curse continues. I mean, we, we talked about saving Dynasty Leaguers from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which we did. But of course, the moment we talk about it, the moment we brag about it, he scores two touchdowns. Of course. Of course, the Podfather jinx. <laughs> it's, it's in full effect. Hunter Renfro, 14 targets, 117 yards and a touchdown. Why? Just why? Why? They scored nine points. So just why? Can someone answer this? Why? This is what I'm saying. If you let your quarterback play it safe, some will, right? Some will. Derek Carr certainly will. If you let your offensive coordinator call run plays, they will. So why are you drafting Josh Jacobs in the first round? Why are you drafting a player like Josh Jacobs at all? Why are you acquiring a player like Hunter Renfro at all? They're not helping you win games. So just don't. Just stop it. Just knock it off, right? If you have an Adam Humphreys, don't bother, right? What's the point? Like, Tajay Sharp, why? Right, he's not an he's not athletic. It, there was a period in t of time in Atlanta where he was the number one receiver, and it's like no, Russell Gage has burst and explosiveness, and there are better players. Right, the, you can find explosive talents at wide receiver off the scrap heap. Look at what Kansas City is doing. Did they have are they playing Demarcus Robinson at all? No. No Demarcus Robinson. They're bringing in Josh Gordon. They're playing Byron Pringle because he has size and explosiveness. McCall Hardman has downfield playmaking ability, field stretching ability, right? If Demarcus Robinson were on the Raiders and they were letting the coaches create player personnel packages featuring this guy, 
he'd have eight targets a game and they'd be scoring 10 points. So if you're an NFL general manager, you just don't add those guys, right? Or if you do, you trust your coach would never play them as a starter, right? That they would be very much a situational player that's on the roster for versatility purposes only. Okay, right? We had this versatile possession receiver. If we need him, we'll use him. Otherwise, no way. No fucking way, right? Trent Sherfield. You would ne- why? There's just so many options out there. Explosive wide receivers that are free agents or that you could trade for for nothing that you can get in, in day three, like Donovan Peoples Jones. That it's just to see this Renfro stat line is maddening. And to see it juxtaposed with Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, explosive receivers, and then you see the score. 48-9. Now, I know the reason is Mahomes, right? I know the reason is Mahomes versus Carr. I know if Mahomes had Hunter Renfro, that Hunter Renfro would be more efficient and that the the team would be scoring a bunch of points. He understood. But most games, you're winning on the margins, right? 49ers, Bengals. That game was won on the margins. And when you're out here throwing the ball 14 times to Hunter Renfro, you're not winning on the margins. You're guaranteeing a loss. So what the what's the point? Same thing with the Jets. Oh hey, oh hey, we're we're, we're toast. We're toasts. And and you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do the right thing. We're not gonna feed Jamison Crowder this week. We're gonna do the right thing, right? We're gonna dump it off to to Ty Johnson. We're gonna get Denzel Mims involved. Even Vincent Smith, right? He has explosiveness. We'll get these guys involved, right? Don't worry, football fans. We know what we're doing. Welcome Braxton Berrios to the starting lineup and 10 targets. And it's just like, no, no, please don't. Why? Why? What do you even have him on the roster for? You have Crowder, right? And you actually have an explosive slot flanker in Elijah Moore. So it's okay. So Elijah Moore's backup is Jamison Crowder. Great. You don't you need a backup to a backup just in case more goes down and there's no Corey Davis and okay. Oh, I can't wait to give Braxton Barrios 10 targets. It's just gross. It's so gross. Look at the Saints. Who are their top receivers? Marquez Callaway. Great size adjusted athleticism. Same with Traquan Smith. And they're crushing the Jets. That's part of the reason. Maybe Traquan and and Callaway don't have big counting stats. Maybe, maybe not. Don't care. It's those types of players that if they see the field a lot and they get a lot of targets, they're going to win down the field. They're going to win on the boundary. And they're going to actually create splash plays that you need to get into scoring position and sustain drives. Instead of you know trying to get down the field five yards at a time. Eventually, you're, you hit a three and out and it's over. Right? Eventually, you have to punt. You can't just matriculate the ball down the field. It's You look up and you see Justin Herbert and you see Tom Brady throwing these. Like, you're like, wait a second, what are you doing? It's you know, third and three, and these quarterbacks are throwing the ball 25 yards downfield. They're throwing it deep out, and it, sometimes it's not connecting. And what do they do? They just go for it on fourth down and get it. Right? It's like, whatever. Like, they're trying to win, they know you need chunk plays. You need chunk plays to win in the NFL. 
So if you're creating personnel packages that make it impossible to get chunk plays, Denzel Mims can give you chunk plays. The salmon was bad. The salmon was bad. Okay, let it go. Play him. Play him, goddammit. And also Kamara helps, right? Kamara helps. He's awesome. Kamara's great. R Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny's going to be the big dynasty mover this week. Get the newsletter. If you don't have the newsletter, go to go to playerprofiler.com, scroll down, just plug your email into the newsletter capture so you can make sure you get our weekly plays of the week, dynasty movers, the big news items. We have so much every week in the Underworld Weekly newsletter. You should subscribe. And yeah, we didn't know it was going to be Burkhead. It would be Burkhead and Royce Freeman. And Royce Freeman gave you 15 yards on 11 carries. Burkhead gave you 40. Shame on Royce Freeman. And Davis Mills putting up over 300 yards against, I know, I know it was Seattle, right? But Davis Mills possibly talking the Texans into rolling with Davis Mills next year. And again, that's the right move. We talk about it all the time on Decision Point. You don't draft your quarterback until your team is ready, until you have the offensive line in place and you have some playmaking defenders. Then you go ahead and put the capstone on the franchise, the antenna on the tower, the quarterback. So 2022 is not the year to get a quarterback anyway, especially if you're the Texans. They need to resist the urge. The Texans and the Lions need to resist the urge to go quarterback in 2022. So many needs in Houston. Let Davis Mills see how good he is, right? He had this the COVID-shortened season at Stanford, right? They didn't play many games, just like Amon Ross St. Brown didn't get to play many games in his final year, and then he fell to day three. Well, Amon Ross St. Brown, all these Pac-10 guys, Jamar Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Davis Mills, they all fell in the draft because they had a, a, an extremely shortened season due to COVID in 2020. Give Davis Mills a shot. He was efficient in the few games he actually started for Stanford. And Seattle's going to see what they have in Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny's not dead yet. He could be Cedric Benson, maybe, first-round pick that ended up breaking out on his second team after his rookie contract, maybe, right? I think Cedric Benson was drafted by the Bears and flamed out, ended up having a 1,000-yard season with the Bengals, I believe in his mid-20s, maybe Rashad Penny's Cedric Benson. It's just hard to find good comps for him. And Brandon Cooks, his splits with Davis Mills are excellent. He is the target hog. Davis Mills doesn't care. He's going to lock in on his number one and just throw it up to him. And 8 of 11, receiving passes on the perimeter and down the field from Davis Mills, it's almost like Brandon Cooks is good. It's almost like Tyler Lockett's good. 142 yards and nine targets. These are very similar players at very similar points in their careers, similar dynasty values. I would still prefer Lockett because of the situation, but otherwise they're the same guy. It's just that we like the situation with Lockett. There's quarterback certainty. It's a better team. So for that reason and that reason alone, we prefer Lockett, but it's close. And it was just interesting to see Lockett and Cooks, two similar wide receivers producing similarly, and... Brevin Jordan, seven targets, right? Seven targets. Just another reason why you don't draft Kyle Pitts in the first round. Javante Williams, two more touchdowns. I mean, come on. Are we going to see some pronouncements on social media this week that Javante Williams is a top five dynasty running back, everybody? We did it. We finally decided to push him into the top five. 
Let's celebrate. Hey, look at us. We're weeks behind player profiler, as usual. <laughs> so good. Jerry Judy, efficient, five for six, squeezing the football. But if you're squeezing the football, it doesn't matter if you're in a target squeeze situation. So six targets, right? He should be getting 10 targets. He's getting six targets. This is the problem with Jerry Judy. But, but, remember the Mike Evans corollary where you can't just crush a guy because his baseline projection with everybody healthy doesn't meet his ADP, right? Makes it seem impossible, given his week one target share, that he could possibly meet expectations given his ADP. But then you lose Antonio Brown and you lose Gronk for a period of time. Suddenly you look up and Mike Evans is a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy football. Is he? Is he? Mike Evans, 16.8 fantasy points per game. And... He is the wide receiver nine overall in total fantasy points. Knowing that anything can happen and that the week one target share is not the same as the week 10 target share and that Jerry Judy was diminished this season by the serious, severe high ankle sprain. I think Jerry Judy is going to be an incredible value next year. I think I'm going to be buying Sutton and Judy regardless of who the quarterback is because if there's quarterback uncertainty, that'll make him even more affordable. But I'm ramping up to get Jerry Judy knowing that the target squeeze he experienced this year will be projected into 2022 inappropriately. Just like Godwin and Evans were throttled by all projection systems heading into 2021 because there were so many on that team. Can't say it. Won't say it. There's nothing to learn about this Detroit outcome except that we were right i'm on ross st brown is the best of the round three round four prospects from the 2021 class it turns out i'm on ross st brown was the best commanding 12 targets see that's what you want you want to put a guy in a situation where he's all they have left okay cool go get 12 targets no tj hawkinson no deandre swift no tyrell williams no brashad perriman remember he was a lion go get 12 targets Okay, I did get 12 targets. Is that good? Yeah, it's good. You're, you're good. Trust me. You're, you're fine. I like you. Will he be overdrafted next year because of this? Probably. But you still want him in Dynasty over those other guys. Maybe the argument now is, is, is St. Brown or Palmer. But St. Brown will have a hell of a lot less target competition next year than Josh Palmer will. And St. Brown's been delivering even more than Palmer. So how could you draft Palmer in a Dynasty startup over St. Brown? You wouldn't. You couldn't. Barkley produced... I guess. Didn't get those fourth quarter touches because it was garbage time. Devontae Booker got in there, was more efficient than Barkley. Only three targets. Still gave you 16 fantasy points, but it was just gross. He's just gross. I don't know what to do with this guy. He's the signature size speed specimen in the league and has the best all-purpose skill set in a vacuum, but he's not himself. And he's not commanding targets the way he used to. Devontae Booker commanded more targets. This isn't this isn't happening. Like this isn't possible. It's very frustrating. And Guyton and Palmer, that's an interesting dichotomy of Guyton versus Palmer. I think if both Williams and Keenan Allen missed, I would have rather started Palmer, but Guyton was the play, knowing that they'd be rotating and that Guyton just has the, the better downfield ability and he was able to deliver 
0.1 more fantasy points on half the targets because of the big play, because of the splash play. Chunk plays, right? They could. I'm sure the Chargers could be rolling some possession receiver out there. Like Adam Humphreys, available to everybody. It's just, are you the sucker that signs him? Or are you the guy that's going to keep Guyton? Because we were wondering, the Chargers wide receiver room is loaded. Who are they going to keep? They might cut Guyton. And then they keep Guyton. Why do they keep Guyton? Because he's capable of 60-yard touchdowns in consecutive weeks. That's why. It's almost like Tom Telesco and the Chargers know what they're doing. They're building the franchise the right way. It's almost like that's the case. It's almost like that's the case. Oh, we, we, we got all the pieces in place on defense. Let's add the quarterback. And, oh, just for posterity, let's, let's add another offensive lineman to the mix. Let's get his left tackle. Let's protect him for the rest of his career with a franchise anchor left tackle, too. Just an embarrassment of riches on this Chargers roster. And, and they just happen to be heading into 2022 with the most cap space. Look out. They are the favorite to win the Super Bowl in 2022. And good luck holding me accountable for that. Set your watch. Set your calendar. Sterling Shepard, very disappointing, but not as disappointing as Kenny Galladay. 15 yards on eight targets. The uh, sub 2.0 yards per target game for Kenny Galladay. It just sums it up. Seeing Galladay struggle makes me more hopeful for Saquon Barkley. It's like, okay, Shepard can't get going. Galladay has been super inefficient this year. He's been nothing like the Galladay we knew. So if there's multiple size speed specimens that have been shells of their former selves, do you blame them or do you blame the situation? Do you blame Mike Glennon and that Dave Gettleman has refused to invest in the offensive line appropriately? You blame Dave Gettleman. It's Dave Gettleman's fault. And Austin Eckler gave us Josh Palmer like he did. Like, thank you, Austin. Appreciate you. He's such a great guy. Palmer commanded seven targets. And why? Why did he get more targets than Guyton? Well, because he's Keenan Allen's direct backup. So when Keenan Allen's pulled out of that offense, Palmer will run those routes and get those targets. And yet still, Guyton will, because of the law of the conservation of targets, knowing that Palmer can't get open the way that Allen gets open, more targets will go to Guyton. More chances to score a deep touchdown. That was the rationale. But you love seeing Palmer running those Keenan Allen routes, getting open, securing the football. He's been efficient. That's the case for Palmer, right? The case for Palmer and these other efficient players, Tony Pollard in Dynasty, is that eventually good players will be given opportunities, will be featured in offenses. It just, it just takes time. So you, you want to chase the efficiency in Dynasty chase the opportunity in seasonal leagues more so efficiency matters in seasonal leagues it's just tilted toward opportunity whereas in dynasty is tilted toward efficiency because opportunity is just what we're projecting for week one and then everything changes in week one and beyond and in dynasty yeah, these guys for their career i mean opportunity projections are far more fragile bill's buccaneers fantastic game I didn't see a lot of Emmanuel Sanders. He might have got hurt. I don't know what happened, but I saw a lot of Gabriel Davis. It may just be that because Emmanuel Sanders is now like 34 years old, that he just doesn't have it. The team is finally saying, hey, listen, I didn't see an injury, but it, it could have been an injury. If not an injury, then it makes sense that Gabe Davis would just usurp Emmanuel Sanders 
as the season goes along, Gabe Davis is also a bigger, better blocker, and he's a playmaker. I mean, he had great strength, showed great strength, reaching and it sort of uh, extending beyond the defender's grasp for a first down. It was impressive. Dawson Knox continues to be impressive. This is what you chase. We love size-adjusted athletes at the tight end position, and that's Dawson Knox. That's why we love Dawson Knox. Beasley, right? Not helping you, right? 64 yards on 11 targets, not helping. Fournette, another touchdown. He's amazing. Uh, just a quick check-in on Ronald Jones. He had less than 10 yards on three carries. And no targets for Ronald Jones. Another seven targets for Leonard Fournette. Just to check in, because there were fantasy analysts claiming Ronald Jones is better than Leonard Fournette. That's a thing that happened, and we're not going to let it go. You say, oh, let it go. Let it go. We're not going to let it go. And streaming Brashad Perriman made some sense because he's the number three in the Tom Brady offense, and it may come down to the last play of the game, but he has speed, and he has Tom Brady, so 60-yard touchdowns are always in play. So you played Perriman just like you played Guyton. Same rationale. And I love that I looked up at halftime and the Bills had no running plays by running backs. Right? Zero rushes by running backs. One day we're going to have a team do this and that team's going to win. So did you gain anything by giving Matt Breida those three carries for 12 yards? No, 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 no. Why they decided to start running when they were down 30, I don't, I don't understand. Now we're going to start running, guys. Okay. One day. One day we're just going to look up and it's just going to be QB runs. And that's going to be, it's going to be a beautiful day. It'll be a beautiful day for analytics. Jamar Chase had another brutal drop. I mean, this guy puts up huge fantasy points, you know, 24 fantasy points, and yet still had drops. Imagine, imagine if he cleans up the drops. Just imagine. Just imagine. We talked about Ayuk, just a hero. And, you know, Samuel's not himself. So why are you running him? If he's not himself, why are you running him? It doesn't make sense. You're going to give him one target? Why was he active? So you can get him hurt on a run play, Kyle? What the fuck was that? You risked Debo Samuel's health to run him eight times? That was the reason? Or have him out there as a decoy? No. No. It's no surprise it was Brandon Ayuk, the outside playmaker that won the game at the end. It was George Kittle skying, just skying, incredible, like just like a hero. And it just you could tell he was so happy to be healthy. He was so happy to be healthy. And, and you look at the schedule coming up for the 49ers. It's only going to get easier. It's Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. So Jimmy Garoppolo is going to keep playing well. Like Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing well against Atlanta, against Seattle, against Minnesota, against Jacksonville. There's no surprise. No one thinks that the Bengals have a scary secondary. We saw this coming six months ago. The softest second-half schedule for any team. That's why many were drafting Trey Lance in best ball. What happens with Jimmy Garoppolo after this season is a, a huge open question. I don't know what's going to happen. I think that he's going to go somewhere like Pittsburgh. I think that's where he ends up in Pittsburgh. He ends up in Denver. And this is important for 2QB and Superflex leagues. In Superflex, I've been holding Garoppolo. In fact, I've acquired him. I acquired him as a throw-in in a couple Superflex and 2QB leagues recently because you know everyone assumes that he's, he's just, this is his final season as a starter. Then he's going to start to 
he's going to start his new life as a backup quarterback. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's okay to look at him and say, is he a top 32 quarterback in the league? Yeah. Does that mean he'll likely be a starter when things shake out? Maybe, maybe not. New Orleans might be in the market for a starting quarterback. We know Pittsburgh will be. We know Denver will be. And we know this quarterback class in 2022 has very few quarterback prospects that are pro-ready. Very few. I love Carson Strong. Is he ready to be a starter in the league? Probably not. Malik Willis, not ready. Matt Corral, maybe the one, right? Matt Corral or... Are you feeling good starting Sam Howell in the NFL in week one, 2022? Hell no. You're not doing that, man. Maybe Matt Corral. Maybe. Right? Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. Ugh, I just... Maybe. Maybe not. You run the numbers on who's available, whose contracts are expiring, who has rookie quarterbacks waiting in the wings with incredible talent like Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a starting quarterback in this league for the next couple of years. I mean, Jared Goff's been the starter in Detroit, and we've talked about the fact that it's not in Detroit's best interest to even draft a quarterback in 2022. They'd be optimizing the long-term interests of the franchise by sticking with Goff one more year. And yet in Superflex and 2QB leagues, Goff was just a throw-in. He was just a scrap heap quarterback. Right there with Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston. But these guys have value. These guys have value. So it's important that you value a Jimmy Garoppolo properly, knowing that it's not over for him after the season concludes in Superflex and 2QB. A.J. Dillon out carrying Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones isn't 100%. That's why. And it was a blowout, right? So in the fourth quarter, the Packers were up double digits. So what did you expect? It's going to be the A.J. Dillon show in the fourth quarter. Aaron Jones gives you the touchdowns. He bailed us out. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. He will get healthier as the season plays out. He can play on it and still get healthier, right? These injuries like what Aaron Jones had, ankle, knee, over time, like with Jerry Judy, he's getting healthier. You can see it reflected in the efficiency numbers. Aaron Jones over the next couple weeks will get healthier. He will likely start to out-touch A.J. Dillon, but A.J. Dillon was a second-round pick, and he's comparable to Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry athletically and physically, and he's catching passes. He didn't catch any passes this week because Aaron Jones was there, but he has been catching passes efficiently as well. A.J. Dillon is competent in all phases, and he's awesome, awesome between the tackles. I'm going to keep playing him. I'm going to keep playing him. Having the Scott Fishbowl, like I said, hoping to get Tyler Huntley, we'll see. Marquez Valdez-Scantling didn't deliver. These are the types of players you play. You play Guyton, you play Marquez Valdez-Scantling, gets five targets. Any given week that Marquez Valdez-Scantling gives you five targets, oftentimes it's a touchdown, right? Because he, he scores on a deep, long touchdown. That's where he operates. Give you five targets, only 20 yards, it happens. When we talk about leaning into the volatility with everyone from Van Jefferson to Jalen Guyton, that's what this means. It means you eat these duds knowing that there's a four for 110 and two touchdowns out there as well. So there's, there's no hindsight bias with this Marquez Valdez-Scantling dud. It just, it's what you should expect. It's just that Allen Robinson 
Six targets, good. 14 yards, bad. Like, six targets, hey, it's an improvement. He was technically the target leader among the wide receivers. That's, I can't believe, but 14 yards for Allen Robinson. I'm like, that's good news. He out-targeted Darnell Moody and Demir Bird. I'm happy. I'm happy for Allen Robinson. What a great buy-low candidate. If you can possibly get him in Dynasty, oh, God. Oh, God. But, you know, not, not hopeful. Not hopeful with Justin Fields. Not going to happen. And Justin Fields is taking the ball himself. David Montgomery, only 10 carries. Nine carries for Justin Fields. So some of these, these RPO plays, Justin Fields, he could hand it off. Other quarterbacks would, but he knows he can run. So he fakes the handoff and he runs. The balance between the Alfred Morris corollary and the Lamar Jackson corollary in that with Lamar Jackson, there's less dump-offs to running backs and there's fewer total carries because he's taking it himself when he sees an opening. When he does hand it off, because he's freezing linebackers, those running backs are more efficient. So you're getting more yardage, but you have fewer touches. And when you balance it out, you'd rather have the running back in Leonard Fournette's shoes with a statue quarterback who's no threat to run, who you know is going to dump it off. You know is going to hand the ball off when the situation calls for it. When there's a light box, they're going to hand it off. And you don't have to worry about some RPO option to the quarterback. Yes, David Montgomery got the seven targets, but on balance, it's a net negative to have Justin Fields as your quarterback if you're David Montgomery. Ideally, you'd like to have a checkdown quarterback. Go back through the, the years from Alvin Kamara to Leonard Fournette to LaDainian Tomlinson with Phillip Rivers. That's what you're looking for. You want Drew Brees. You want Tom Brady. You want Phillip Rivers as your quarterback. There's been debates, but I think overall, I don't want my quarterback taking it himself. I don't care about the added efficiency that they bring. I just want those seven targets a game like what Leonard Fournette is getting. That's, that's like the Valhalla for a running back. We thought David Montgomery would be a smash in the second half. It's not turning out to be that way. Hey, really, the, the only guy you really want to play on this Bears team, other than Justin Fields, is Cole Komet. Another five targets. He has explosiveness. He's going to be a sneaky streamer. Devontae Adams, 13 targets, 121 yards, two touchdowns. He's a Hall of Famer. Love him. It's going to be Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson are going to be your top two wide receivers the rest of the way. There's nothing I like better than a good rhetorical trick.